Yo, it's Fat Kev Smith coming at you with a few Smodco deals and steals you might want to look into. For example, I don't have a radio voice. Let me just do my regular voice. Uh, I'm coming to see you all in Chicago. Chicago, I'm coming your way, man. Windy City, I'm coming to break that wind hard. Uh, an evening with Kevin Smith, part of the Just for Laughs Comedy Festival, is happening in Chicago at the Chicago Theater, uh, June 14th. Chicago, man, chick in a car that just won't go. Chicago, I'm coming out to eight. It's the Chicago way. Coming out to do a little Q and A as part of the uh, Just for Last Fest. So check that out. That's this Thursday, bitch. Don't delay. And when I say bitch, I'm talking to you men, uh, not you ladies who I respect and revere. Uh, pick up your tickets, man. That's happening Thursday of this week. Hey, are you a Hollywood Babylon fan in the Los Angeles area? Well, guess what? June 16th, June 23rd, June 30th, and July 7th. It's going to be me and Ralph, the dynamic duo together again. No guest hosts, just classic Babylon up at the John Lovitz Podcast Theater. Go to CSMOD for tickets. Or if you're like, hey, buddy, I'm in San Diego, and I, that's just an inconceivable drive to go to Los Angeles. Well, guess what? Comic-Con's coming, and so are me and Ralph. All over Comic-Con. Boy, we're going to make a mess. July 14th, man, Saturday night. I got the Q&A at Hall H. But after that show, you get your ass over to the House of Blues, man. Me and Ralph going to do Hollywood Babylon at Comic-Con. That's right. It's Comic-Con Babylon for the second year in a row. That's Saturday night, 11 p.m., House of Blues. Come out for some adult entertainment at a comic book show. Uh, you want a podcast? I want a Smodcast. What about my bro, Scotty Moe? Smodcast is happening live in Portland, Oregon, man, at the Aladdin Theater, August 17th, 8 o'clock in Portland, Oregon. Um, Canada, you're, you're not left out of the equation, man. Me and Muse are coming up August 24th to Fan Expo Canada to do Jay and Silent Bob Get Old. Uh, speaking of Canada, I'm finally... Going to the seat of Canadian government. I'm finally going to Ottawa. Ottawa. God, that makes me, like, fucking hard. Uh, we're coming to Ottawa, man. Coming hard. Hollywood Babylon. Ottawa Babylon, if you will. The Centerpoint Theater, August 25th. Tickets are on sale now. Moving quickly. Go to csmod.com for all these tickets, man. But what if you're like, I don't want to pay for your fat ass. I like listening to free podcasts. That's where I draw the line in this relationship. Well, I'll do you one better. You can look at us for free. Go to Hulu. And check out our new show, Spoilers, man. Smodco Show Spoilers, where I take 40 people out to a movie, and then we all sit around and talk about it. And then I interview a guest. We show a little cartoon. Oh, it's good times. Merry, merry fucking times. And it's free, bitch. A lot of people are saying, like, oh, I don't want to buy a subscription. Guess what? You don't have to. You don't have to watch a few commercials with the show. But you can watch it for free at Hulu.com. If you like it, and you like me, and you want to, you know, let me wet my beak a little... Pick up a subscription to Hulu. That'll help me. But if not, don't worry about it. Watch the show for free. And if you're like, look, I don't want to help you with your Hulu crusade. If you're that kind of asshole, you're like, but I still want some visual podcasts for free. Gimme, 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 fat boy. Well, we got you covered as well. Go to YouTube slash CSMOD. Check out all the shows we got rocking on SIT, SMODCO Internet Television. Best episode start, 34. Best start to a fucking podcast Team Jack. ever. Presenting our new sponsor, not really, Theo Organic Fair Trade Mint Dark Chocolate, 
cacao. That means cocaine. You're going to be Gordon, high actually, there's a very funny line reading of that word. Shit. Cacao-ow? Um, What's the line reading Odom does? I'm not going to do it. Because That's it's why he's Peter the Traveler, man. Peter the Nomad. I'm sorry. Fuck's sake, it's man. close. And let that be the first misconception. <laughs> it's close. <laughs> Traveler Directed on this episode of Team Jack. Anyway, um, we're underway. There's lots of nervous energy in the room. It's <laughs> oh Tony Awards Sunday. I'm petrified about the Tonys tonight. Oh, we're my in God. Casa de Condon. Um, and this is episode 34, right? It is. All right. Um, with me, Matt Cohen at Camel Toad on Twitter. Hello. Very I'm Jack Morrissey. We like to get the boilerplate out of the way up front so that we make you think about it in case you don't make it to the end. We're on Facebook. Look for the Kyle Cummings illustration. We're on Twitter in two handles. The first is at team underscore Jack. And my own is at Jack underscore Morrissey with two R's and two S's. We're also on Pinterest, but I think you have to be invited to join. Well, why are we? You have to be invited to join as someone who pins, but I think you can. But you can check out it. our Team Jack Pinterest yes. page. Why yes. are we on Pinterest? What is I, what is Pinterest? I know what it is, kind of. Hold on, I signed up thought. for it, but then it was weird, and another, it was like we're too also much. on Tumblr. All right, that I like. What's the Tumblr URL? Team Jack. Uh, uh, Team Jack for the win. I should know that FTW. Yeah, yeah, FTW. I and we're at teamjack.com where um, Tracy, uh, who is missed today, uh, maintains our blog with our Q&As and um, all sorts of other Breaking Dawn uh, and podcast-related goodness. Um, anyway, so our other guest is Liz Lemon Bennett. You're mm -hmm. on Twitter. I am on Twitter. With two N's and two T's. Yes, I am. Uh -huh. No, which is spelled the same way as the former Secretary of Education. Uh, very interesting. That's not where I got it. Uh, no, it but is... what was his first name? Who gives a fuck? People hated him. Um, I don't. He, he's, I don't remember. I, have in the no Reagan administration. I don't remember. Not a clue was, who you're talking about. I don't remember. About. Well, anyway. So there you go. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, a uh, member of Team Jack, our Twitter yep. team. Um, who all, and uh, Liz also runs our Pinterest. Mm -hmm. The Tumblr you that I can't think of. Run the name our Tumblr. Of, right? No relation to Batman's current current uh, vehicle of choice. Team Jack should buy a Batman vehicle. We should totally buy a Tumblr and just roll around <coughs> blasting the podcast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. blasting the podcast out of it. Um, this week's episode already, like I can tell, it's going to be a good one. Should we just start with Pinterest? Let's start with Pinterest and then okay. gradually make our way into the deeper end of the pool. <laughs> so, Google as Matt Cohen asks, why are we on Pinterest? And I, what is Pinterest? Let me preface, what the fuck is it? Is it for pin collectors? I'll preface like at by Walt saying, Disney World? I signed up for it and, and just was like, I don't see the uniqueness in this social networking site that I think it's worth. I don't know. It just seemed like another fucking same thing right. over again. What's... Right. What's the cool hook with Pinterest? The cool hook with Pinterest is it's very visual. It's visual candy. It's an online bulletin board. So a lot of the Pinterest sites that get a lot of activity are interior design. It's also cooking and oh, recipes. Okay. Like food porn and shit. Yes, yeah, yeah. big time food porn. And for us, it allows us to get uh, Jack Morrissey visual goodness up with various things. Um, 
that are related to the Twilight Saga publicity that's out there, as well as some more unique things to Jack's interest, the podcast, stuff like that. A bottle of wine that I took a photograph of this morning that we ordered in for the Tony Awards uh, that has a dead priest on the label and no copy. All right, that's nice. That terrible. You hope it's wine. Yeah, exactly. It just could be his blood. It's his blood. It could be his liquefied remains. (laughs) It's smegma. Um, Did you get your Pinterest question answered? I did. I did. We're good. Right. Um, What's the deeper pool? (laughs) Fan fiction. Fan fiction. Uh oh. What percentage of fan fiction? Fan fiction, how do we define fan fiction? Uh, Fan fiction, a few ways to define it. Uh, Initially, it's almost like a creative writing class project where people take, could be a, a different character's point of view and retell a story. It could be a scene that happens off page or off screen that someone wants to write in, uh, all the way to just taking some kind of metaphor from an original text right. and taking that metaphor and running with it, making it a whole different world, dropping right. all the mythos, playing with the mythos of the original piece. So it's um, this really expansive way to play with original text to make it a little more um create your own ownership with it make it something as new. a make fan new art from it yeah as a fan. it's all written it's fanfic it's yes. fan fiction fanfic for short uh-huh written by fans for fans for fans and of of all fanfic on the uh intertubes what percentage is Twilight related or began as Twilight related versus, say, mm, Firefly related or <laughs> Battlestar Galactica related or Muppets related? Well, it's interesting. The, the biggest um, storing house, the biggest site for all of it is fanfiction.net, which is, as of this weekend, in, there's a boycott uh, of the site. Why? So, Ooh, juicy. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you about that in a second. But just to, to give you an idea, there are... Pretty much anything from the Bible to Star Trek to Twilight are on there. It's the biggest, I believe, we have about a half a million Harry Potter stories. And we're at about 180, 190,000 Twilight stories. Wow. Twilight saga stories. Wow. Mm-hmm. Stories relating to the characters and situations in the Twilight saga that are then made completely unique. Yep. And, and often unbelievably sexual. Well, No, the, no, no, not all unbelievably I, sexual. No, I said often. And the, let oh. me start the controversy bad off. Uh, I know I know about fan... I, I mean, I've written fucking fan fiction without knowing it was until... Like, I used to write spec scripts when I was like 18, which was like right. Gremlins 4 and Roger Rabbit 2, and I right. thought that was some legitimate screenwriting thing, but it was just fucking fan fiction. Um... I know name producers who started off doing the Even same thing when they grade, were working at J.C. Penney. I wrote I wrote a sequel to Storm of the Century when I was in fifth grade. Uh, or, yeah, or sixth grade. Um, but in the world of fan fiction, I'm sure we'll get into this. There's slash fiction. Yes. Because Twilight is so Twilight in general is so sexually dominated, and it's mm-hmm. a, it's a romance, if not near erotica. Mm-hmm. Isn't nine? Isn't isn't it in a weird in between where it's kind of slash fiction already? Well, let's let's first like, define slash the fiction because I don't I don't think we've we've talked about what slash is. Okay, and in my mind, it's any sex. No, slash is homoeroticism. Oh, I did not know that. Yes, yeah, slash okay. is homoeroticism. Uh, it can encompass both uh, men and women, but some people get specific when they want to talk about. Stories Meaning are looking it can, for. Can, it can encompass both male, Jason male, and, and female, 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 or polyamorous. 
So fem slash is sometimes used to describe female-female uh, erotica. Now, what is the term? Is it is erotica? Fan erotica? I, we don't, I mean, it's called erotica. There are ratings that you can look up particular stories if you want a teen story, if you want an erotic story. If you want a what story? A teen story. A don't, story don't that's, that is... <laughs> That oh, is guys, safe for up. teens, where, for example, Bella oh, and Edward go to prom together. No, 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 no. And actually, that, that stuff is out there, but it's, it's considered well, but uh, my question taboo. Is, what, like, if you're going to search for, let's say, fucking uh, Star Wars uh, erotica, what, what defines, what's the difference between fan fiction erotica mm -hmm. and just erotica? That fan fiction erotica has some tie to an original text. And there's no, t is, that a, is that the term for it? Fan fiction erotica? Yeah, I mean, you could call it that. Sure. Okay. There's, people talk about, quote, lemons, uh, and a lemon is a sex scene. So if you're looking for something that is erotic, certainly the, the search <laughs> I like that term expression lemon. Going. My mind is getting blown <laughs> yes, every three seconds. The search seconds. term lemon is, is where you want to go for it. The, but the it's interesting. Lemon. Is a sex scene. Is a sex scene. Use that in a sentence. Um, oh my God, Fifty Shades of Grey. Have you finished your chapter yet? Hot, almost. Uh, Fifty Shades of Grey has some amazing lemons in it. My favorite lemon is the one that happens in chapter 18. Something like that. But this is this time. And where does to that come boycott. from? Do you know? Yes, actually, I do. A lot of people don't, but I did a, a little bit of digging once. Well, I would hope so, Liz Lemon <laughs> Bennett. <laughs> Uh, it is related to, I found some obscure article that said it's an anime expression. It's huh. somehow Japanese for citrus. It is what's used in anime to talk about sex scenes, and we've adopted it in the English language as calling them lemons. What's up? But I will say that this is all tied to the boycott that's going on right so now. What's the boycott? There are groups Not of, enough boys in the cots. Uh, um, there are... Uh, groups of people that find that there's too much smut in fan fiction and they want it out and they lobby and very easily get erotic stories taken down. And uh, Why isn't there separate, just a separate site for the erotic stories? Uh, it's, there are some smaller sites, but if you want readers to find you, going to this major site, fanfiction.net, is is the way people find most of the stuff. And if your story is pulled for being too erotic, there's no appeal, there's no ex explanation. You just wake up one day and your story's <laughs> gone. So they're looking, so people are just doing a two-day boycott and hoping some awareness uh, comes to this idea of, of uh, that process could be looked at again. Sort of Who are the admins? Who are making these calls? The mysterious people that you never see or hear. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the same people who run Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. And every year come up with new laws, new regulations. Or the people who um are the other mysterious people. They're the Illuminati, let's just say it. We want to yeah. skirt mm -hmm. around the everything. All roads lead to Rome. They're hunting us, but it's <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, obviously. Um Do we think the first slash fi slash fiction probably goes back to Kirk and Spock in the late sixties, early seventies from Star Trek? Absolutely. The, without the, a question, right? Without a question. And, uh, there's, there was no Frodo Bilbo? I mean, Frodo oh, there's a ton that's up there. But, but was first, there, yeah. First, we're, we're looking at two, two franchises which, started, which really fan fiction originated. One was Man from Uncle. For some reason, that was a major fan fiction. Start that television series and Star Trek. And Star Trek had the first published fan fiction. So although people argue now about 
should we should people be allowed to publish fan fiction? There was Star Trek fan fiction on the shelves. Um, while I believe it was still while the original series was in its you know first and the, couple seasons. And then they went as far as to put fan fiction on television for quite a few years. What do you mean by that? They would fucking Star Trek. You, they would just let fans write episodes. No? Well, that is true. A certain, next gen, certain, right? yeah. yeah, was it TNG? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. They had an open door policy with the... Uh, they were just like, fuck it, we quit. You can write an episode. The writer's room. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but no, to your point, Matt Cohen, despite the fact that Tolkien's Lord of the Rings books were on shelves before Roddenberry's Star Trek was on the air, which there was nobody was writing. There was fan fiction. Okay, that makes... Because there was no internet and there was no... There was no like, well, new, no, but probably the first... The, I believe the first fan... Slash, you said. Yeah, but also, I mean, do we really think that... Were they publishing Kirk I just, and I don't Fox feel like it books? was Tolkien-inspired. I don't feel like people were writing fan stories based on Tolkien's Middle Earth before Star Trek. Do you? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, we have no way of knowing because people are writing... It was all underground. It was all underground. It was through, you know, similar to an underground newspaper. In yeah, exactly. So it's exploded, obviously, with the internet and social media and people talk about it. and Just connectivity in general. Connectivity. And, but one of the things that's interesting about it, even, even the Slash stuff, which some people roll their eyes at, what you have in fan fiction is the opportunity for people to experience a story that wouldn't get made because it's not sellable. Right. So you get someone who is homosexual <coughs> to have a homosexual lead protagonist love story you get a bella swan in a wheelchair you get the people get to see themselves. what's bella swan and do you know who bella swan is by the way matt cohen yes it's the girl from twilight okay. come on right. jack as played by Kristen stewart i knew that, that. is correct um, she has orange so it's kind eyes of interesting what's the wheelchair well. thing wheelchair just an example i don't have a specific story in mind but just an example of well i, I have a character in a wheelchair but it is an example of People seeing themselves or telling stories that they don't get to see in the ma- in regular so media for instance, representation. A fanfic writer who might themselves be confined to a wheelchair for whatever reason right. um, might in yeah that's called this Mary character Sue is essentially when you write yourself as the protagonist or put yourself in the story. That's Whoa. called what? Mary Dorian. Sue. Hawk sighting Matt Cohen. Yeah, yeah. Right here, they love fan fiction. They have ones. a. Uh, baby, there's a new hawk in the family. Oh. It's called a chicken hawk. Okay. Well, hello, chicken hawk. Can you hear that? Yeah. I know it's amazing, right? Did that Did that pick up? That did, yeah. Yeah. Every time I hear that song, that sound, they're really flying close to the house today. They are, dude. It reminds me. I of hope one a, comes in here. That's the I opening hope. sound effect at the beginning of um, Kings and Queens by. 30 Seconds to Mars, Jared Leto's band. Okay. But B, every time you hear that sound effect, it sounds like... Dinosaur. I don't, beli- I don't believe it for a second. I feel like I'm in my pajamas watching something on ABC on Sunday night in 1977, and there's that tiresome sound effect of Hawk. They it, always sound identical. They sound like stock fucking... Yeah. It totally sounds like a stock sound effect, uh. doesn't it? Um, Back to one of your points, Don. Uh-huh. Dead air. Dead air. Back to we one of your points. <laughs> Breaking Dawn. Yes. Parts one and two. Yes. Like how I cover that. Nice. Anyway, um, you yourself write. I do. Let's, tell us about your stories. Uh, well, I have How many have you written? When did you start? Oh, gosh. Um, how many wheelchairs? <laughs> only one wheelchair. <laughs> I do have a wheelchair. I started... Mary Jane. Mary Sue in a wheelchair. Yes. Uh, it's actually, if you're a Twilight person, it's Alice in a wheelchair. 
And um, I started, I wrote, I, I do, I'm a researcher. I'm researching the fandom and fan fiction. So I thought I'd write a short story to get that side of the experience, right. see what it like was like to be a writer. And just stop for a second. Since you are a researcher and you're researching mm-hmm. fan fiction, just again, drop your Twitter, your, drop your Twitter handle. Liz Lemon Bennett. For anyone who's interested. Yes. Um, for anyone who's interested in the research, either to follow the course of your research or perhaps mm-hmm. in some way contribute to it. Mm-hmm. Got Absolutely. it. Go. Uh, so I started, I wrote a short story, entered it in contest to see that experience, the process of writing short story and coming up with the characters' backstories and what brought them to that moment. Right. Uh, I didn't want to stop writing it. It was a great experience. So it parlayed into a, a long uh, novel, a long fan fiction that is in its last chapter right now. Which so. is called? She Gives Me Religion. She Gives Me Religion, mm-hmm. which sounds like a song by the cult from it's about 1986. Van Morrison song. Um, by the way, have you, have you announced our episode title yet? I have not. Because I told you to come up with it, given yes. that you are a fucking writer. Yes. Uh, Matt Cohen. I'm ready. Here's the episode ready? title. Ready? You're Perso- going to like it. You like it? Personal heroine. All right, we got it. Okay. But how's heroine spelled like a female hero or the drug? And is it the same spelling? No, there's an E. Am I a total fucking idiot? E at the end of personal. E at the end of true, true, true. I I like the. I'm always into a double entendre uh, title. Drug. Spell it as you as you wish. It's from Twilight, where there is uh, a line where Edward Cullen tells Bella Swan that her blood is like his own personal form of heroin, and fan fiction for some because it's episodic and you right. wait has an addictive quality. So right. you're in the middle of work, it's four o'clock, 50 Shades of Grey, or what was 50 Shades of Grey, it used to be called Masters of the Universe, pops up a new chapter, you stop it was whatever. Called Master Masters of the Universe. Of the universe. Like, like Master. No, no, like. Um, <laughs> yes, like He-Man. No, like Thomas Wolfe, Master of the Universe. All right, also mm-hmm. exactly like He-Man, I believe. Yes. And the Masters, and mm-hmm. that's awesome. She should have went with that title. I would have bought it thinking Why it was a He-Man didn't book. she? Because I like... Since you know her. Uh, why didn't she go with that title in terms... Of, I thought you meant the podcast. In terms of publishing the book, Fifty Shades of Grey. And by the way, let's just announce on this, on this episode of Team Jack, we're going to have Fifty Shades of Grey author E.L. James on next week's show. Really? Uh-huh. You lie. <laughs> Which is going to be like a puppet, like the Harry Knowles puppet. I'll is do on the, the puppet. Uh, Nerdish channel. I'll do it. You'll do it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll make a Neil James sock puppet. Mm-hmm. Can you do an English I accent? I'm, mistru- I'm oh, actually yeah. misusing the term sock puppet. Um, why didn't she stick with that Masters of the Universe title? Because it sounds like a fucking video game from the 80s. It's amazing. It, uh, Fifty Shades of Grey is, it tells you a lot more what the story is about. Oh, totally. Masters of the Universe doesn't sound like anything about an erotica novel. It sounds like some kind of sci-fi warrior fantasy thing. Right. And, yeah. and also, she changed the novel for publication. Uh, there are lots of details that were... Twilight related that she changed and you know it's 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 a new start it's a it's a new creation of um her story and I love the title I love when did she write the first chapter of Masters of the Universe (laughs) Master single single master title Uh, it's, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not even that stoned. It just makes me laugh. Like, that like this that crazy sex book was called Master of the Fucking Universe. That's so funny. Well, and, and it comes from it comes from a character line. Uh, he tells so Christian Grey is the hero, and he tells Anna Steele. Is he the Anna hero St- or the protagonist? He's the hero, I'd say. Uh, is he heroic? 
you got to read all three to right. get there. Um, the, all three the so-called the Fifty trilogy. Shades trilogy. Yes. Yeah, so he, descri- he self-describes as he's Fifty Shades of Fucked Up, and his last name is Gray, and it's, it's a line that, and a theme that is played throughout the trilogy. Right. When did she first started writing it? I would say it must have been very early 2010, late 2009. Okay. I think that's about right. And I, how did I, you guys meet? We met that by, uh, in fan Are fiction. Are you allowed to talk about this, by the way, or is it bad form? No, I'm good to talk about it. Okay, good. Yes. We met be, uh, because in fan fiction, there's really close author-reader interaction. Right. After you read a chapter, you can leave a review. Left a review. I was late to the game with it. It was the first of the trilogies already complete, but she was still writing. And, uh, and I wrote a review, and she got back to me, which blew me away because she had, who knows, hundreds of thousands of readers. And the fact that she got back to me and got back to everyone, wow. particularly when it was in its early stages, was amazing. And even now, as E.L. James, she gets fan or reader letters, and she, she responds to a lot of them. And it blows people's minds. It, Is she going to yeah. listen to this podcast? I hope she does, yeah. Do you think she will? I think she will. All right. Well, I'm, here's where here's the part where I dispense advice to E.L. James, who really needs my intervention. <laughs> There's a scene in Bill Condon's masterful Kinsey, which yes. depicts accurately Professor Kinsey, as portrayed by Liam Neeson, responding to by responding personally to each and every person who wrote the Kinsey Institute during the period in which Alfred Kinsey and the work that was happening was bigger than. Elvis, the Beatles, and mm-hmm. the Pope all put mm-hmm. together. I mean, this guy was a rock star of the world, right? Mm-hmm. Who still insisted on responding personally to anyone who had, quote, taken the time to right. write personally. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I probably should know this statistic, but I don't. I can't remember how old he was when he died, but it's an early grave, E.L. James. <laughs> Oh, stop. Don't do that to her. Let yourself off the hook. It's an <laughs> early grave. I get, I mean, that's part of what, how the Team Jack thing came out of sort of having a Twitter team was just wanting to make sure that any question that was asked, especially during this period where most of the questions being asked are about Twilight or the Twilight movies that my partner is directing. Right. Wanting to make sure that every question got answered. Mm-hmm. But that road, and I think through your help and the help of the other 29 women on Team Jack, we've done a great job of that, but that is the road. We all have to be very clear that that is the road to he- to uh, death. <laughs> well, it's also it's the road to of, much, of it's taking people. taking on too much responsibility. I mean, it is a lot of responsibility, and I'm sure she won't be able to keep it up forever. And yeah. uh, she was, you know, towards the end of the fan fiction, she wasn't able to... <clears throat> Respond to every review, every chapter. I don't uh, even answer text messages. I'm going to live to 200. And <laughs> let, <clears throat> let me attest to that. Yeah, I'm going to live forever. <laughs> healthy and happy. That's why there's a lot of people, and it's controversial whether to, to publish fan fiction, but there are a lot of people who, uh, from this Twilight community who are very supportive of it, even though there's this big argument, a big divide, uh, because they've built a personal relationship with her. and. Right. I know, for example, a lot of the, the Team Jack women are completely in our corner, and they're excited and sort of one of our own made good kind of right. let's let's you know go right. along for the ride and watch and be happy and that we were there you know. In the well, beginning. also you guys are partic- you guys have really participated not the not just the Team Jack the other Team Jack women but the but fanfic readership at large. You guys have 
have really created from the grassroots level what is, you know, what's now been on the cover of Entertainment Weekly. And mm-hmm. by the way, I will say, you off, I think you often hear lines like this anecdotally and you think, yeah, well, you're full of shit. Well, but I will say personally, <laughs> how many fucking restaurants have I been in within the last month where it's like, you know, I was just telling you the other night, like a big group was being seated at the booth next to us at El Covo and they're, mm-hmm. they're like going on about Fifty Shades as they're sitting down. It's like, you know, uh, Ryan Brookhart, who was a... a mm-hmm. um, guest on either the last episode or the episode before that they start to run together a little bit Mm -hmm. he has a guy who lives next door to him is 21 year old you know straight actor out here um from fargo Mm -hmm. who's like aware that and maybe i was actually at il covo with them for dinner when we heard i believe that's actually true but he was totally aware of it yeah everybody is aware aware of of 50 shades of gray it's unbelievably It's unbelievable how it's moved through the culture in such a viral way. I haven't. I'm actually thinking to myself, have I asked my mother about this? Mm -hmm. I may have. I I, I was just thinking, I don't think my parents would know. You don't think your parents are aware of Fifty Shades of Grey? Well, there's a lot of talk of people saying, here's two stories that are being told, which is, oh my gosh, my mom's reading erotica. You know, there's a lot of people who have their mothers and their aunts and coming out and saying these things. Uh, there's there's that story, but then there's also the story. I just story threw since up in my mouth a little bit. What's that? I just threw up in my mouth a little <laughs> bit. I know exactly. What did it taste like? Especially when there are things <laughs> like, like my mother fucking reading erotica. <laughs> well, how would how would you like to explain to your mother what fisting is? So, I wouldn't, Mayo. <laughs> but yeah, there's there's unless there you can that. clip that clip, <laughs> you can clip yourself with that okay. line and tumble that. And this is where I start to offend maybe, nor do I really want to read a book in which fisting occurs, I feel No, like. fisting does not occur. It's on a contract that starts out in the beginning to negotiate what sexual practices they're right interested on. in, and fisting is one of them. And Cohen, Cohen, Cohen is d- out. Cohen just dropped his microphone. <laughs> Cohen and is out. And not Obama style either. But the other story that goes with it is, it's interesting because as, we, we, as we've seen on this podcast, there's, for some people, you know, fan fiction's a dirty little secret. For some not people anymore. being, well... You mean your personal readership of it for some people is a dirty little secret. Fan fiction is no longer anybody's little secret culturally. Culturally, exactly. Yeah. But but here's particularly some of the, the population of women I'm most interested in researching are those who find themselves completely enamored, fans of the Twilight Saga, and they are doctors and lawyers and professors and right. nuclear scientists and, right. you know, all of these things. And they say to themselves, oh, I should not be so into these books about a sparkly vampire. So fast and let forward. And let me just say, let me just say to each and every one of those people who may be listening, let me pass along a little tidbit uh, to all of you from something that some... Mick counselor or Mick therapist said to me when I went on a Mick retreat back in the mid eighties in suburban St. Louis, don't shit on yourself. <laughs> Very Bless. <good>. Well, it, within that, and this, this ties Be into to, what you're into. Right. And this ties to Let's it. Let's hear is, it for obsession. Let's drink to obsession, Matt Cohen. You, Muppets. I have to ask what I've never heard the phrase like Mick therapist and Mick. I, so I didn't well, know if you were just, using I, an ethnic slur or not. No, Mick. It's like McDonald's. Okay. Let's just say on that particular retreat, oh, he was a, the, it despite was a the fact retreat. that I've been raised since that I've been raised by a battery of psychologists, psychiatrists, counselors and therapists, including my mother, who was a chemical dependency counselor, wow. who, by the way, said that next Tuesday would be perfectly fine for your 
for your uh, introductory intake. consultation. Yeah, yeah sure. your intake. Sweet. Yeah, yeah, in other words. <laughs> um, but uh, but that retreat, that retreat, and the people who are participating. It was shabby. It was a little. It was McDonald's level. Now I understand. Yeah. I didn't. Yeah. I thought you were going think there on was, a race tirade there, there for was, a second. I don't think anybody involved was too pedigreed. Right on. Nor did I cry. Are you supposed to cry? Is that the mark of a good retreat? Don't you watch reality television with like Intervention and all those shows? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cry that shit out. You see Eric Roberts, who works out at my gym and hopefully does not listen to this podcast. The mayor of Hollywood Gym. That bitch cries it out at the end of like... Yeah, he cries a lot. He was in there for pot, too. He was on an episode of uh, More Stories I did. He was a guest. Yeah, he went in in on um, Celebrity Rehab for weed. He didn't do any other drugs. He was just a pothead. So interesting. Yeah, yeah. What's up? Anyway, Anyway, Liz, back to you. Well, talking about we d- this. But we, we digress. Back to okay. Finland. Digressing is fine. <laughs> digressing I'm hoping is podcasting. by the end of the podcast, we get, we get Jack to cry about Fifty Shades of Grey, and then everything will be accomplished. Well, how about but, the fact that I'm going to meet this woman? Yes, Can I, she Am will. I allowed to say this? No, you are. I'm going to meet this author at Comic-Con in like six weeks. Yes. And I am kind of thinking like, I was just talking about my uh, reading anxiety with Matt Cohen before you rolled up. Mm-hmm. And I'm sort of like, oh, shit, if I'm going to be hanging out with E.L. James, you need to read I might it. need to But the interesting thing, of but one of the things that come out of, I'm sorry. No. One of the interesting things that did come out of this is that all of those women who weren't telling anyone that they were into Twilight and fan fiction, when their friends come up to them now and say, oh, I'm reading Fifty Shades of Grey, have you heard of it? Yeah. They're like, yeah, I read it two years ago. It's called spit take. Yeah, and and it's and it's and everyone. A lot of people are telling these stories of being caught in this moment of, do I say I read it first? I was there on the ground floor, and when I tell you that, you're gonna know that yeah. I've been reading smutty fan fiction and masturbating. Let's uh, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe, or, or or spending time, significant time with with a significant other. It's not all masturbation. That's the, the significant other is a living person or an inanimate object that's been put into it, the service of it could be a living person who uses an inanimate object on you on that person hey because matt <laughs> we're frightening matt with talk of lemons and erotica and slash and matt's he's out, matt's out on the balcony filming hawks it is crazy that you don't often see two of them flying together like that what did i miss where about, is the baby what did i miss about inanimate objects I don't know. I'm just taking this whole bird Matt, thing. Would you, Matt, do you have any interest in having... Um, I'm so sorry for any Mormon housewives who may still be listening to epi- by episode Stop 34. Stop listening. Do you have any interest in having any sort of an inanimate object... Um, Inside of me? Or using stimulate it on your prostate, someone. Stimulate no. your prostate gland? No. Okay. Well, have you about- ever been finger blasted? No. No? you have any interest in that? No. And by I'm the way, I'm very not fucking vanilla sexually. How disappointing, Matt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why? It's a bit of a bummer. I don't know. But um, no, 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 nothing. And dude, my sex life is fucking non-existent, pretty much. So that's why I'm I'm out on this subject for the most part. Why is your sex life non-existent? And know, by the way, if you attempt to turn the tables on the question, it's a whole different podcast. Nothing. Really? Yeah. yeah Can yeah, I come yeah. back for that podcast? I would love to. Let's do Let's put it that. this way: I tried. I like instead. I, I got. I was so offended by that fucking ten seconds of Fifty Shades of Grey I heard Gilbert Godfrey read that I was like, man. <laughs> That I went and I was like, I should try to read erotica and see if I like it. So I was like, Doctor Who porn shit with Amy Pond. I, I was like 10 seconds in. I'm like, I kid, this is silly. 
<laughs> well, it, you might find, uh, you might identify with one of the characters. And, I, no, I couldn't, and she's yeah. completely vanilla. So it's, you know, there you go. Yeah, working yeah. out the vanilla relationship with the one that has a, a little kink in it. All the sex, the sex in the book is not gratuitous. It's, the sen it's central to the character's conflict and story. Totally. I just, I think my weirdness was it was, I had a, a misconception that erotica was very like flowery and descriptive and like um, subtle, but this was be. like clit and cock and fucking like yeah. weird words that I was like, I don't think grandmother that you're should not be familiar with that. no i'm familiar with i'm not comfortable with like weird how the housewives of america i don't know i personally i'm think repressed that, by the way flowerly. i'm telling you this so goes back to kinsey who was who was elevated for the mail report and and pilloried as soon as his attentions logically and naturally turned to the other sex as soon as as soon as the female so-called female volume was published and America had to read about what their wives, daughters, sisters, girlfriends really were doing sexually or wanted to do sexually. They wanted to burn him at the fucking stake. So it's interesting that all these years later, uh, Matt Cohen, you of all people, have exactly the same bias. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's when it was like this idea that, oh, the Twilight fandom is very sexually charged. And to an extent, yeah, that's true. But it, I, I think what we're seeing with Fifty Shades is that a lot of women are sexually charged. And I'm gonna, it's just okay to because say a lot it of now. humans are sexually charged. Yes, but yes. I'm, I'm going to walk into the fucking fire right now. Uh -oh. In my mind, it's always conflict is drama. Drama is conflict. In my mind, it's always been like, why not just watch? It seems like a like a B level porn, like or like a softer, like an introductory porn for women who couldn't handle actual hardcore sex. So it's like, oh, it's hardcore. I mean, women who no, couldn't I know handle hardcore, actual hardcore seeing it porn. Yes, porn. And so it's it's, it's so it, it seemed it always seemed to me like a uh, like a Disney version of porn almost erotica. Like it's cutesy kind well, of. Well, maybe yeah, but and that's just my own thing. again. Like one of Kinsey's basic tenets: everyone is completely different from everybody. Oh, else. totally. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and a that's lot of a lot of people it, are bro. more. Intellectual are more erotically stimulated exactly. using their intellect exactly. than just by using and that's women their in eyeballs that's and women a debit in general, card. I think, and that's why women read romance novels and stuff like that, mm -hmm. and and they they get hot from it. I'm no, assuming. certainly women. By the way, women uh, who watch porn, but this is this is an intellectual stimulation. There is people are get engaged in the characters, and there is fan fiction that's called porn without plot, where it's just here's a sex scene. Um, but a lot of this is you get invested in the characters you want them to have good sex you you know so yeah so it is intellectual it is the imagination i don't think i have an imagination well, <laughs> that's what it are. comes down to by the way there's a, a close gay friend of mine who's in his early 30s who's you know one he'll casually mention over the dinner table that um he was uh, having a go with himself last night or whatnot <laughs> Almost entirely, it's to fan fiction. Uh -huh. Or no. It's to uh, erotica. Whoa. It's not to fan fiction, but it's to, it's to homosexual erotica. This guy does not really spend a lot of time watching porn online. He spends a lot of time hunting down stories and reading those stories through which he 
brings himself to climax. Totally. If we want to break this down to a Kinseyan level and really kind of get a little too far into my own fucking steez, which is something I'm trying to correct in, in recent times. A little too far into your own fucking what? Steez. Like, what are steves? Steez. It's like a rap term for like bit style. Into my, own, into my own shit. Thank you. I'm very urban. Okay. Um, <laughs> when I was like 12, thir- the first thing I ever pleasured myself to, let's say, was, was when fucking I was reading like uh, Interview with the Vampire and there were like graphic mm-hmm. sex scenes. So mm-hmm. erotica at one point, like I used to jerk off to books when well, I was like. And let's give a big shout out to Anne Rice. Totally. When I was like 14, 15. But uh, progressively through the years, the escalation in terms of. Porn habits and that sort of stuff is increased to a point where, in the, and on a Kinsey and chemical level, it, it's just that dopamine release. You know what right, I mean? So right. I need more intense things than my imagination is shot to a point where I need, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, yeah. And that's a Christopher comic. Christopher Rice, if you're still listening more to this common, podcast, uh, come on. That's, I think that's a th- common thing with like dudes of my generation and like access to internet porn and shit like that. Like, uh, I hear anecdotally all the fucking time that y- dudes of your generation with unlimited access to internet you become porn, addicted to porn. And by the way, take four hours to uh, have an orgasm in the middle of an actual sex act with another living, breathing human being because you've been so you've so fucked yourself by watching all this porn. Another close friend of mine who's been named copiously on this show, but who will not be named in this moment, when he starts dating <coughs> a woman, the first thing he stops is porn. Yeah, it he makes real life, it makes real life, life boring the second to, thing to is, a really horrible fucking The second thing he cuts degree. out is masturbation. Yeah, isn't that fucked up? But that's no, the, it's not fucked up. No, no, no. It's fucked up that control. it's a comic and, and that, it's, that it's almost yeah, an endemic in our generation. Because you know it's in I mean? the way of your, of your actual interpersonal relationships. Well, can I just throw it in there and not to you know, keep hidden fan fiction, but hey, that's why we're here. There are the re- one of the key stories of this whole erotica phenomenon is the story of men and women contacting E.L. James, people I've talked to, saying, this has changed my life. It changed my marriage. I thought that my libido was dead. I thought sex was over. I interviewed a woman who has been in a sexless marriage for decades, for decades. And they were under the impression, her husband and she, they were under the impression that uh, it was biological. And, uh, And then she found fan fiction. And now she and her husband, in bed, laptop open, read fan fiction, change their lives. It's amazing. And, yeah, and, and that's very much the Which means there's going to be a bio. There's going to be a biopic in about 20 years called <laughs> James that will be about E.L. James. <laughs> and the last scene will be the, by then elderly E.L. James sitting in the study having just taken the sex history of Len Redgrave <laughs> <laughs> who says, he rises and crosses the room and says, you saved my life. I think interestingly enough, though, to go on that thing we were just talking about, a reason this might have been such a giant, overwhelming success was that fact itself, is that it's such a, in our modern, fast-paced, insanely uh, chemical-release-based fucking reality TV, porn, loud right. music, everything, this is a fucking, it's a, it's a dumbing down of, of, of all of that to a book. You know what I mean? It's, dumbing it's, it down? Not dumbing it down. I didn't mean that. Uh, dumbing Dist- it down in terms, of stimulation, in terms of stimulation. It's a destimulation where... where um, Say it another way. Hmm. It, 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 it is uh, what's, what's my, it's a more subtle way, if that makes any sense. And maybe that's why it's getting to people differently. It's okay. changing people. Mm-hmm. That, that, you know what I mean? Because they're so used to our modern version of erotica 
Right. Yeah. And this is the first time that sure. there's really been a mass market erotic novel. I think in it, a long each generation time. seems to have had one, and this is this generation's where pe- generation. You think, you think Anne Rice's works preceded uh, this? Uh, somewhat. Story of O is the big or... turning point one. Was that as was uh, that as zeitgeisty as Fifty? Yes, and but that one, it was Who also that, BD, BDSM. I do not remember, but she was a sex slave. I mean, okay. there wasn't a lot of love in that story. Right, and it's and Fifty Shades of Grey is compared to it. I, I, and uh, but this one is very. It's a romance. And right. and to go back to what you were saying, uh, Mr. Cohen, Mr. Ma- I didn't have to call you Matt or Cohen, so I'll say Mr. Cohen, please. Mr. Cohen, uh, is is Wait, that Mr. Poor? or Master? <laughs> What's up? No, and Matt no, you Cohen have to is look, that title. As I'm looking over at you, holding that microphone in your face. Sometimes a microphone is just a microphone. <laughs> I mean, some- and sometimes it's a big fucking dick. Only on Team Jack, folks. <laughs> That's true. Going back to what you're saying about you know having to increase to still get that high. There's also what these books have done, and it sounds so hardcore. But for the people who have these great sex lives, or it doesn't matter where their sex lives started, the idea this book has brought in the idea of, hey, why don't you try restraining one another? Hey, why don't have you ever tried a Benoit ball? You know, it's like, and people are in happy marriages that. playing around with new ideas because she's introduced them and made them. Made them sound pretty safe. Yeah. Okay. I'm cool with people being happy and exploring their shit. But oh, my, thank God, Matt. Oh, Cohen. oh my gosh. Thank we can God. All, okay. Is the podcast but, done now? But like weird, <laughs> weird repressed me still goes. I hear Benoit balls and I'm like, fuck that. Fuck. But up. do you enjoy the? But do you do you enjoy the jazz musings of David Benoit? <laughs> <laughs> oh, such a Jack The wave. Yeah, the I wave FM. What's up? Anyway. This is a good episode. Do you think? It's good in the room, and I assure you, it will listen it'll good. It'll play. Oh, it'll play. I always yeah. wanted to be here for this moment where Jack Meta discusses the progress of the episode. And That's true. How are we doing? Are we doing good? I think it's I a think good it's episode. Really good. My favorite fucking moment ever when Jack's <laughs> like, oh, this isn't a good one. <laughs> and then I listen to it a week later. Dude, it, well, it's just, and like, and I, hate, funny. I hate to go behind the fucking uh, uh, curtain. curtain a little bit here, but like, my one rule I figured early on with podcasting was never voice concern with an episode, because then listeners are like, oh, wait a minute, maybe this does suck, and I'm just an idiot. You know what I mean? And we're just the, telling everyone it's good. Is the true, where it's just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, oh my that, God, that this do. is the greatest conversation. <laughs> that totally works. Hype Aren't all you everything. dumb plebs lucky enough to listen in on it. Yeah, yeah, get yeah. people excited about shit, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, Will this become a movie? It, can this become a oh, movie? Oh, yeah, the movie deal is done. We've already talked about the movie deal on previous episodes. But isn't it, wouldn't it be graf- too graphic for like an R rating? No, no. They just won't show shit. It'll be a hard R, as Bill Condon described Prometheus to me yesterday. Was it a hard R? It's a hard R. I like that. I've been Now, here. because I'm scared, 50, I'm scared about Prometheus, has been, the 50 has been... Purchased, yes. not optioned. It's been yes. outright purchased by Universal mm-hmm. and Focus, their yes. art house dependent division. All of it owned by the good folks at Comcast. They cannot legally, um, they cannot legally release NC-17 movies to theater circuits across the country and around the world. So the best they can do is a hard R. That said, I don't know what their corporate policy is as regards unrated cuts on DVDs. Mm. 
every corporation sort of, you know, Lionsgate does it. Mm-hmm. That's going to be the... Here's hoping. But that'll be the big news. <laughs> yeah. um, NC-17, Breaking Dawn 1 Lionsgate and 2. Lionsgate does it, but I don't know that NBC Universal Home Video that'll does. That'll be the huge controversy, right, when that movie comes out. 50? Yeah. Well, I, everybody In understands that it's a movie, and so it's going to cost... It's going to cost... Even if literally you did it Todd Haynes style with literally Barbie dolls and a VHS camcorder. <laughs> Which I hope they do. It would still cost, by the time they're all done with their corporate accounting, it would still cost at least $1 million, which let's face it, to everybody in this room as well as everyone listening is a lot of money. Everybody understands that feature films are by definite... They, they cost a lot of money to make. They cost a lot of money to market. So um, I think everybody understands that it's a, on some level, hopefully, uh, like Prometheus, which Mr. Condon thought was uh, a fucking masterpiece, mm. um, and I have not yet seen. Um, hopefully, you can have a movie that d- does cost millions of dollars to make, millions of dollars Tens of millions of dollars to make, tens of millions to distribute, tens of millions to market. But they, so it is a consumer product in some way. But it it also can maybe touch, light you know touch art. Right? Oh yeah. And that's what everybody's hoping for with Fifty Shades of Grey. You Absolutely. Know? And there's lots of you and I, Liz, have talked endlessly about the nuances and the combinations of everything that can go right and wrong Mm -hmm. from this point Mm -hmm. forward, Mm -hmm. not just in terms of the decisions that they make, Mm -hmm. what they decide to do, what they decide not to do, all of it with the ability to ultimately affect the movie that will result as well as how the movie is presented. But then the other, you know, the other larger issues, I don't think it's, um, I don't think, let me just think about this. Let me decide whether or not I think this is telling tales out of school. Do it. I'm going to do it. So before Bill said yes to Twilight, I had, when it was a possibility and they they were at the door, I booked a lunch with the head of marketing at Summit, who is now co-president of marketing at Lionsgate, Nancy Kirkpatrick, who I knew from Paramount and where Dreamgirls was made. And... <clears throat> A uh, terrific, terrific woman, and we had lunch in Santa Monica, about a few blocks away from the then summit offices, and um, just talking about the Twilight phenomenon, which the which she was there mm. for from the beginning, and had a, a very, very, very significant hand in creating and shaping what you might call the cell, how you present these movies, how you present this franchise to the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the thing that got me thinking about this in the first place is that at that time, that was summer of 2000, whatever. And I th- Eclipse um, hadn't yet opened or had just opened. Okay. And I, I basically, we were talking about the Comic-Con experience. I told her that, you know, by that point, I'd, I'd already had seven Comic-Cons under my belt just as a fanboy. Um, and she talked about the insane reception for Twilight and then New Moon at Comic-Con. And we talked about 
what was happening at Comic-Con that summer for Eclipse. And she just said, um, we're probably not going to do that much. We're kind of going to pull back on that a little bit because it feels like we've done a lot already. Mm. So, <coughs> and Nancy, if you're listening, which I really, really doubt, um, that's about the most, I mean, that's really, it's not, it, it's maybe not that interesting to some people, but my point is with 50, They've already been on the cover of, you've already had one Entertainment Weekly cover. Mm -hmm. So now the question is, and it's the question for the, for the marketing team at Focus and to whatever degree Universal is going to get, and Universal Marketing is going to end up getting involved in 50. When do you let it out? When do you pull it back? Right. How do you do it? How much is, because it's, it is a zeitgeisty thing. It's, it's white hot right now across popular culture, pop culture. Mm -hmm. Um, mismanagement or one critically bad decision or a series of smaller, not great decisions or one bad decision, two terrible, two so-so decisions can result in, you can squander the, mm -hmm. the lightning that's in the bottle. You can let the lightning out by overexposing it or, or driving the horses too hard for too long. <coughs> Pardon me. And literally like burning out not the consumer to sound callous mm -hmm. or the customer to, to sound like, you know, we're working in a butcher shop or whatever, but the potential audience or whatever, they can get burned out. It's like yeah. nobody needs, nobody needs 50, mm -hmm. 50 covers of Entertainment Weekly. Right. For Breaking Dawn Part 1, we had three Entertainment right. Weekly covers over the course of, I don't know, six months, you know, and um, some people would argue, I, I would always argue on the side of three covers okay by me and thank you so much Eric Cops. but some people would say oh it's too much it's overexposure blah 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 and, but there's always somebody to take the other side right who said they're mismanaging it they're doing too much they're doing too much too soon or whatever anytime a teaser trailer or a longer trailer or a teaser poster or those materials start getting released you know when the James Bond teaser trailer was released two or three weeks ago, you know, I had a back and forth with somebody who was intimately involved with that franchise. And, you know, we just, we had a very interesting conversation about why the f strong feeling was that that teaser trailer was a miss, you know, right. you can fuck it up, right? You can then recover, right? And you can be just fine. I think there are a lot of people who have made the case that there were, you know, earlier, there were early missteps concerning a large franchise last year that I will not name that was... Oh, can I guess? No. Please? No, because I'm not going <laughs> to say... Multiple choice, no? Yes, uh, the Avengers, exactly. <laughs> but that they recovered from those missteps, but it took some work, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so it's going to be very interesting for you, knowing E.L. James and knowing that work and having been an early fan of that work, even though yes. you, you said you came to it late, still in the grand... Scheme sure. of things, you were there light years before most of the rest of culture. <coughs> It'll be very, very interesting for you to watch mm -hmm. these decisions get mm -hmm. made. It'll be very, very interesting for E.L. James to watch these decisions get made. And I, th there's one thing I can guarantee you, and that is that some of the decisions and some of the choices will be poor. <laughs> you can count on sure. it. Sure. I mean, that's what happens. No process in is every perfect. Movie. Yeah, exactly. It's not perfect. And uh, it'll be interesting to see if she comes down to Comic-Con. 
Um, I think she's uh, back and forth, but that would be right. that would be uh, very interesting. I know right now her focus is uh, the book and Random House and book Getting signings. the book out there in the world. Sure. Every copy of that book that, that she can push out into the world. Not, and not to, you know, not so that she can collect a little bag of money for every book sold or whatever, but every book that goes out there in a world, into the world now is a, is a tangible piece of, mm-hmm. is a tangible artifact that people are going to take into their homes where it's going to be seen yes. by other people coming over or passing through that home that will in, it, in its way. I mean, they're building a brand and every book yes. sold is a valuable part of building that of getting that brand into people's homes where sure. it will be seen by lots and lots of other eyeballs, including undoubtedly lots of six-year-olds yes. <laughs> who are going to crack the book. Yes. Well, I, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned even the brand because she was since the first, the, the first. And I don't mean to sound callous when we, I, I mean, branding, I feel like now is crossed over into oh, yeah. popular culture. And no, even now when you have people that. saying, when you have people like the average moviegoer, knows what the word franchise means as applies sure. to movies that there's a little sadness with that but still this is what it is it, it's 2012 and we're living in a very in a culture that's very heavily marketed to but is also very very savvy about right. the fact that they're being very very heavily marketed to and here's here's one of the smart moves that was made in terms of the quote branding is in the first publishing house that had it before random house right I know that E.L. James was pretty insistent on making it a cover that people would not be embarrassed reading in public because a lot right. of erotica covers and she was right. are bodice rippers. They're embarrassing. And right. there is a correlation with the, the explosion of erotica right now since the Kindle. Uh, erotica was really low sales until a couple right. of years ago. And there were a few articles written about how erotica went through the roof uh, for when the Kindle came out. And uh, E.L. James was pretty insistent. She might have even designed the cover, which is just uh, a gray tie, a gray silk tie, which, right. which t- just to freak out Matt Cohen, I will say that people... He get, uses a tie and choke to do it. Not to choke her. Oh, no, to no but thing? to tie her. To tie her up. Oh, okay. It's a bondage symbol. I so, didn't mean choke her to death. No, there's no choking. It's not that violent. There, uh, What's well, up, Eric Odom? There's some spanking. But, um... <laughs> What's up, Eric Odom? <laughs> Sometimes I like to embed little. Let's just say Eric code. Odom walked in the room right now. <laughs> but he didn't. But but it is interesting that that was something she was insistent on, and and when uh, Random House picked up the book, they kept the cover, they just embossed it a little bit, and right. it's such an iconic cover now. And it was again, it's something I'm walking up and down the aisles of the airplane when I came here, and it's it's everywhere. Yeah, it's, there I'm are racks and racks and racks of it. Yeah. yeah well, two things. I want to. I want to. This gives me an opportunity if she's listening to get mad at her because I wanted to pick up a book for my flight and I went in this one little bookstore in this tiny airport and it was four rows of shelves and there was one copy of The Hunger Games and the rest of the four rows was her book. So she, thank you, E.L. And by James, the way, what book were you looking for for your flight? I was looking for the second Hunger Games book. Which is Chasing Fire. Yes. Right. Uh, so, and then walking up and down the aisles of the airplane, everyone's got this... Uh, people are reading the book and it's everyone okay. was jerking off on your flight. <laughs> yes. Big line for the bathroom. So, not even the bathroom, just plenty of blanket it's calls. It's unbelievable volleys of yeah, yeah. fluid. Exactly. It's okay. like a Busby Berkeley musical number. It smells uh, like gonna, I have a story about that. I'm going to share a story exactly about that. So a friend of mine uh, wrote, read Fifty Shades of Grey when it was a fan fiction because I had my friends who were not into Twilight, not into fan fiction, read the story. I thought it was that good. So I'm like, here's a PDF, read it. So 
This friend of mine read it a long time ago. She was on a flight a couple of months ago, and she had it again on her Kindle. There was all of this chaos because the flight was having trouble. We might have to land. All of this stuff is happening. She's looking around at everyone panicking, and she really couldn't focus on the fact that she might die because at that moment she was searching <coughs> her Kindle for the expression, quote, fuck my mouth. And it just distracted her completely from uh, the fact that she was almost about to die. And, and she I'll did. take it. What's that? I'll take it. Yeah. So, and she actually, she wrote E.L. James about that experience and was shocked that, of course, E.L. wrote her back. Right. Uh, it's an early grave, E.L., I'm telling you. <laughs> Give it up. So, yeah. Are you picking a year or something? I mean, how far are we going with this? Give us the, give us the, um, I feel like David Letterman here, but give us like the top five or top ten if you can. Um, iconic moments in the first novel that we can expect to see or that we might hope to see in Universal Picture and Focus Features forthcoming movie adaptation of Fifty Shades of Grey. Well, certainly I hope the fuck my mouth scene. Right. It's just, it's just a phrase. The language oh, okay. is very interesting. <laughs> top five or top ten or, or the top the top that come to you. Okay. What's the iconography of Fifty Shades? Fifty Shades. And I know, by the way, again, if, if E.L. James is listening to this, I apologize in advance because I'm basically... I'm spoiling spoiler, it. <laughs> spoiling the novel for myself. Spoiling it. Exactly. Okay. So I have the first two in mind. The first it was The Meeting. Of the Anastasia meeting. Steele and Christian Grey, okay. billionaire. She stumbles into his office, literally falls on her face. She's there to do a newspaper interview. Right. So that's iconic. A few days later, and she sees him in her small town, happens to be there. Small town, which is where? Um, is it any town, or is she specific? Is the it author is, specific? It is, uh, it's specific, uh, the Pacific Northwest. Well, of course. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. That was coming. Uh, so, Is it Forks? <laughs> no, it's not Forks. Is it Spoons. Sporks? It's exactly. not. It's not. <clears throat> so, so I guess the, the next one is this uh, night that she sees him. They have exchange of phone numbers, etc. She gets very drunk. Is he driving a Volvo? No, he's not. Uh, she gets very he's drunk. He's a frugal billionaire. Calls him from this bathroom, and he comes and finds her because, of course, her phone is, he, he can find anyone anywhere. Sweeps right. her up. She passes out in his arms. She wakes up in his hotel room the next day. He right. has not touched her. So that right. scene, I'd say definitely. Right. Uh, the scene where, you know, this first scene where he presents this contract and reveals his secret, which is, this is essentially the only, this is my, my lifestyle, my sexual lifestyle. Um, we find out later it's because he can't have intimacy with anyone and this is his method of doing it. Right. Um, so that scene where she's reading this contract and it's like anal fisting, what? And she's a virgin. Right. Uh, but she's completely fallen for this guy. And what does she do about that? So that would be in there. Those are, those are the setting up of the, the first act. I say second act is when she decides to try out his lifestyle because right. she's so into him she's willing to make that sacrifice right doesn't go really well all the time right so second act is him trying to meet her halfway and he turns romantic right he treats her more like a girlfriend than just a submissive right uh and the last act is rough it's it's uh she finds out her limit of how far she is willing to go into his lifestyle right. and she finds out that uh it's not as far as he wants Huh. Yeah. Interesting. 
That's You've it. compared it to Beauty and the Beast and yes. also to... Jane Eyre. Jane Eyre. And Jane, Jane Eyre is a lot like Twilight. <coughs> right. Jane Eyre is a lot like Beauty and the Beast. You have this... By the way, did you see the recent Jane Eyre I adaptation? Did. did you like it? I did. I, I, I watched it on my way home from London where I was visiting E.L. James last Interesting. summer. Interesting. Yeah. The so. director who is a client of an agent friend of mine has just been announced to I guess uh, he and a sequel <laughs> no he's remaking Stephen King's it oh interesting Carrie Fukunaga I just read that two movies oh my yeah, gosh Cohen's, Cohen's like what 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 I, what? I, no, I, ju- I just <laughs> read that I'm not going to tell you what I, I know the pitch I know why it's two movies but I'm not going to tell you until we turn off the microphone okay and I'm going to think about why it could be in the meantime it's not that uh, it's not that hard I think I pr- pr- okay yeah I, I know why, but let me talk about it after. Well, you know, go ahead. If you think you know it all, if you get it right, I'll say it is. Time split. One movie's kids, one movie's adults. Yes. Okay. It's, yeah, it's easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. All right. Sorry. I'm it, was no, a fun, it was a fun dinner Friday night telling Tim Curry about it. That there's a new Pennywise in town. There will be a new Pennywise, yeah. Although, I think... Uh, CGI, probably. There might be a meeting this week. With All right. Yep. I like all this talk. I'm sorry. No, it's great. I'm I'm sitting here scrambling my brain trying to think how I We've can We've got to get Tim Curry this on a future it. episode. We need Tim Curry on a future episode to talk about what um, what erotic fiction he enjoys re- <laughs> reading because Tim Curry is an unbelievable reader. And what was it set like on Muppet? And Treasure I would not Island? be surprised if he's. I read- know he's heard of Fifty because it came up over dinner, hmm. and I feel like I was more involved. I. I was more tuned into the the crunching sound of my own jaws masticating my pizza when uh, perhaps it was asked as to whether or not he'd read it yet. What'd you get? Sausage broccoli, Rob? No, this was at Ammo, so I just got margarita. Nice. I've been on a uh, <laughs> pizza cheatsa <laughs> cycle I had a by little Wagner. White truffle one last night. It was oh, pretty yeah. amazing. Was it good. Yeah, out of this world. Well, we no, we we did last night when we were at Elcovo. We started with. Um, one of, one of those sausage and broccoli rod pizzas again. Oh, Eric so Odom good. did not indulge. Oh, he's so good. I know. And the, the six-pack has become like a 26-pack now. Sweet. Fuck you, Eric Odom. I don't think he listens to these anyway. Oh, Eric needs to take off his shirt and show the world. He does. Such a pretty boy. Such a pretty boy. He is. Sweet boy, too. And a beautiful soul. Because <laughs> he does. As Marlon Brando once said to Connie <laughs> Chung in the middle of their interview. That's what's really most important, isn't it, Connie? It's just whether or not you're a good person. I want to write <laughs> a fan fiction about him. Riley. Right. <laughs> about how sweet his soul is. I'm going to write a fan fiction about his sweet and kind soul. Peter I, the Nomad? Yes. Isn't there already Peter the Nomad fan fiction? Uh, Peter. Or slash fiction, to be specific? I believe. Uh, Peter and Jasper. Jasper created yes, Peter. Yes, yes. P- Peter comes up in quite a few fan fictions. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, a little With little or without slash. his mate Charlotte? Uh, a little bit of, you know, remember, there's almost 200,000 of these things, so yeah. I can't say for sure all of it. No, usually Peter is like the buddy of Jasper. Right, and you I know, believe Eric Odom has read at least one of these things. I think I'm going to have to write another one. Peter certain. Well, mm-hmm. as soon as you finish up, uh, she, gives, she me gives me religion. Me religion. And what's your, what's your timetable for that? Uh, this week, it should be off to my team. And then it's done? I have an epilogue, which I hope to crank out quickly. And yes. let's uh, tell us, Cohen, we're going to roll over. Yeah. Is someplace you have to be? No. Um, tell, us about, tell us about your team. 
Team Liz. When you say this week, it's going to be off to my team. My team, I'm very, very fortunate, like a lot of fan fiction writers, because it's such a solo endeavor, mm -hmm. to have what it's called in, in this world, it's called a beta, which is your editor. Okay. Um, but I have a few people who pre-read for me. I have a woman who lives in Seattle that checks my research, so the restaurants that I'm picking for a date or whatnot are dead wow. on. Um, and Tom I Douglas, serious pie. What's that? Tom Douglas, serious pie. Serious pie. I've been there. I've yeah. been there. Yes. Got to. So, so that's my team: pre-readers, editor, uh, researcher, and uh, and for this chapter, my last chapter, which takes place in Italy, I have a woman helping me with my Italian. I hope it doesn't take place in Volterra. It Dawn. does not. Breaking is, Dawn. She parts gives me one religion. It is. It is uh, Assisi. So. Right. Okay. So that is, it's an important theme of the book. I mean, or the story. It's, uh, in terms When you say Assisi, does that imply, Liz, that uh, there's going to be animal action? Uh, no. <laughs> My, no, I didn't, no, Jack. No, Francis? No, Mr. No, no, Mr. Morrissey. <laughs> it is, it is uh, a story very much based on St. Fr uh, Francis's prayer. Okay. Uh, so, so yeah, that's, that's where I am. And then you're wise. done. And then I am done. And then I'm just focusing on the research. Then you're focusing on your Jack Morrissey fan fiction. Yes, my Jack Morrissey fan fiction. Which needs to be finished. Doesn't it? It needs to be started. Yeah, whatever. It needs to be finished. <laughs> <laughs> then, then and only then can you move on to Eric Odom as Peter the Nomad related fiction. And actually, Peter might come in because uh, I have a subplot in my story, my Jasper and Alice, I enjoy a lot and wouldn't mind extending their story in a, in a short story. Right. And uh, he might need a Peter in there. <laughs> yeah, but sorry, my, my Jasper's straight. So there's no slash for Peter. Mm. Well, hope springs eternal. Indeed it <laughs> does, Mr. Morrissey. Um, I think that's it. Fantastic. Of course, I've asked this before. I think I'm near the end of previous episodes, but this episode especially, with this guest especially, was it good for you? It was so good for it me. It was so fucking good, wasn't so it? So fucking good. It was so hot. So hot. <laughs> <laughs> Cohen, what about you? You just sat there and watched. Was you it good for you? sat in the corner and watched. <laughs> <laughs> it was all right. <laughs> Do you want to talk about fisting after the show? <laughs> <laughs> or the proper spelling of Benoit, ver Benoit, Benoit versus David Benoit versus beignets in New Orleans I can do the beignets in New Orleans I one think. has a G B-E-I-G-N-E-T yeah. Cafe Dumont boom yeah. Yeah. Cafe Dumont that's right Powdered a little chicory in that coffee chicory in that coffee chicory in that coffee yeah. we're all very we're travelers folks is, is that what we're trying I to get I really at? need especially if, if God if I ever like if I ever took a fucking moment to like actually focus on this podcast the best thing would be to have Chris Rice on the next show because then there would just be a pleasing flow. New Orleans mention, erotica. His mom even gets a just mention make in this Matt episode. More, the flow is make Matt more and more progressively uncomfortable. The flows? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why? I'm joking. Oh, okay. I was kidding. Can, can I say a little something as we finish up here? Yes, although that makes me nervous. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't be. I mean, I'm talking, I've talked about fan fiction, I've talked about the research, but I, I've, I've missed, it. I think, the most important thing that I've, I've learned and discovered is that what truly is amaz amazing about not just fans, but a fandom, 
and you see this in Team Jack. D-O-M. It is an incredible... Femdom? Fandom. No, fandom. Oh, okay. Fandom. As opposed to two words. And I've met a couple of them, too. Uh, yes. Um, but it, it, the... This group of women that, and there are some men certainly that have come you know, through this Twilight Saga fandom, and some have turned over into Fifty Shades fans. Some really incredible friendships, lifelong friendships that are made, right. and they start through social media connections with people all over the world or across the country. And Facebook, Twitter, absolutely, and then they get together for to, to premieres, like vacation together for Comic Con and these things, yeah. and. And really, it's this whole fandom story is a story for me of women's friendships. Yeah. It's a pretty incredible group of people. I'm glad you said that because during that lunch with Nancy Kirkpatrick, mm-hmm. president of marketing at Summit, now co-president mm-hmm. Lionsgate, I feel like, you know, just in case you were sleeping a half an hour ago when we mentioned Nancy, a.k.a. Nancy K. Lunch at Nancy K. talking about the Twilight phenomenon, talking about the Twilight fandom, which she fucking genuinely... And this is a woman who's been in studio marketing for many, many years and is tough. She is a, she is a tough personality. She genuinely, genuinely loves the Twilight fandom. Mm. She has a very, very strong connection with that fandom and, a, and an unbelievable, unbelievably strong appreciation of that fandom, right? So we're talking about it. <coughs> Pardon me. Um, and she says that one of the things that they discovered early, and it's unclear to me whether they discovered it through some commissioned research that they did just to try and get to know the fandom a little better, or whether it started coming up in the material, which in a shrink's office you would say is everything that's coming out of my mouth while the shrink listens, but (coughs) pardon me. Um, But in terms of what she was talking about, you know, maybe tweets that they would see on Twitter, comments posted on at imdb.com before Facebook really took off or whatever. Mm-hmm. They they came to an understanding good and early on, which is also, this is interesting as regards 50. She came to an understanding, as did the people who work with and for her in marketing at Summit at the time. They came into an understanding very early that Twilight fans, part of what is unique and wonderful about Twilight fans, as opposed to what makes Harry Potter fans unique and wonderful, or Trekkers unique and wonderful, or Star Wars fans unique and wonderful, or of course Battlestar Galactica fans, um, is that Twilight fans love to be together. Mm. They love to be with each other. Not necessarily just to talk about Twilight or the aspects right. of the Twilight, the Twilight saga, the Twilight universe, the Twilight mythology that most resonates to them, or whatever they drill down, whatever they drill down on and interrelate to as their specific subject, their you know their specific characters or specific backstories, specific details that they're obsessed with. Mm-hmm. We've had a, there's been an interaction on. I think the Team Jack Twitter handle around the release of Breaking Dawn Part 1 with someone who was completely obsessed with, with Edward's Volvo. Yes. S- full stop. Completely obsessed. That's, I'm sure they have other obsessions in the mythology, but mm-hmm. that's the one they asked about. Mm-hmm. You know, They discovered early on that the fandom just loves to be together, and they just love to get to know each other. And so... 
that for her is why Comic-Con is, is such a celebration. And I mm -hmm. think the New Moon Comic-Con was sort of the watershed moment when suddenly there were a tipping point happened and all these women were just flying in from around across the country and around the world. Many of them, yes, of course, to line up to get into Hall H, which we'll do again in six weeks time, one last time for mm -hmm. Breaking Dawn part two, mm -hmm. but, and to see the panel and, you know, maybe get as close as they possibly could to Rob or Kristen or Taylor and see, you know, an early clip or maybe, you know, see an early teaser trailer or have some, you know, some reveal of a moment or something. But more than that, just to meet each other in person. Yes. Um, having only interacted. It's about being in that line Exactly. Together. It's about being in that line totally. together. Totally. Um, once they've figured this out, I don't know too much about what they, what they did, but I know she made allusions to the fact that they... Once they figured out that the fandom really loved just hanging out with the, with uh, with itself, and that this was that only great things came out of this, mm -hmm. they helped to facilitate that. <coughs> mm -hmm. Meaning, I don't know that that uh, Summit paid to you know rent community meeting rooms at the Mall of America in Minneapolis so that Twilight moms could get together three years ago and just talk about Eclipse or whatever. I don't think it, it was ever that literal, mm -hmm. but, and they didn't even necessarily send out talent. They wouldn't send some member of the Wolfpack or a Cullen, right. you know, an actor who portrays a member of the Cullen clan out to one of these things. They, they just, all that was conveyed by her was that they figured out good and early on that the fandom loves to hang together yes, and they helped to make it happen wherever and whenever they could within reason. Yes. And that, that is part of what makes Summit's handling and her handling and her team's handling of and growing in a very organic and positive way yep. the Twilight saga, the Twilight franchise, and the Twilight fandom all intertwined is just, by, is just by encouraging all the positive aspects of how fans inter can interact with something that they're obsessed with. And, and it's fucking awesome. And what they're obsessed with, you mentioned other fandoms a moment ago, what they're obsessed with is a story about love conquering all. Yeah. So there is something... In the something... case of Twilight and in the case yeah. of Fifty Shades of Grey, yeah. same thing? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So you're getting a fan base of people who have something within them where yeah. that theme resonates. Yeah. So you get a particular, although there's huge diversity in the fandom, the, the, we all share, as Tracy says, our, our wonderful Tracy. Tracy Olson. Oh, Tracy Olson. We all share some fucked up What's gene, up? right? That yeah. that brings us all together. And yeah. that gene. 50, 50, <laughs> 50 shades of fucked up gene, right? 50, 50 shades of fucked up gene. Maybe yeah. that's the title. Maybe we got to drop. Is that better than personal heroin? I think so. Eh, we'll play with it's it. It's long. Um, it is. <clears throat> but it's a, love, it's a love story fandom. And I think that's right. one of the reasons where, where there's something about love in this fandom that, um, right. you know, is just, it's visceral. But note to Focus Features and Universal. If, if it is true, and I don't know, you may know already, if it is true and unique, given that a large part of the 50 fandom has evolved or aged into 
the 50 fandom. You mean the Twilight fandom into the 50? Yes, Twilight yeah. into 50, right? Mm-hmm. More so than, say, Star Wars and, into 50. And millions upon millions or never Star read, Trek into 50 or Harry Twilight. Potter into right, 50. Right, 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 right. right, right, right. But as, as you start to have more interactions, if something happens, if E.L. James ends up coming down to Comic-Con this year, if, if you know, there's a, a panel She might be there for a signing. There might be a book You'll signing. You'll start, you know, those of those of you such as yourself who have already been not embedded because you're not other you are you are of the fandom as you start to see the 50 fandom interacting with itself even though again we've already seen it in tent city because so much of the twilight fandom is dually the 50 fandom Mm -hmm. it is the note is universal and focus if these women like to be together and talk about 50 help them get together you know yep that's my and you just see again all the right decisions and choices that can be made to help encourage a natural and organic process that's already underway that comes out of obsession for something whether it's Battlestar 50 or Twilight and all the wrong choices or decisions that can be made including and not limited to you know Nancy could have could have um achieve this awareness that the twilight fandom just loves to hang out and they don't need an actor there. They just want to hang out with each other. They just want to meet each other mm-hmm. and they could have done nothing, mm-hmm. but they didn't, they didn't do nothing. They saw it. They understood it. And again, I don't know that much about it. I'm parsing a lunch, you know, a quick lunch conversation from three years ago, but they, they, they acquire the information they understood the information and they chose to do something they chose to do something they chose to water a plant mm-hmm. instead of yeah whatever they'll come right focus and universal as regards 50 shades of gray covers of entertainment weekly are awesome for the yes. overall cultural phenomenon yes but you've got a the, there's always more that can be done you know mm-hmm. no it's a great episode this has been a great episode i've no doubt I'm so glad. Uh, Cohen, what are you doing? And there we are. <laughs> Killing pigs and One last time, your Twitter handle. And anything else that you want to... Uh, Liz Lemon Bennett is my Twitter handle. And I'm on Facebook sometimes. You're on Facebook. As Liz and, Lemon Bennett. And you have an awesome and, avi of a black and white picture. And that black and white picture is... Hot boy with wings he, in a wheat field. Because my, my Edward is referred to as Saint Ward and she gives me religion. Right. So he is he is the avi of, of my character, of and my again, Edward. interested interested listeners who might want to discover... She gives me. She gives, she gives me, me religion. religion. I'm find it how fanfiction.net. But if you Google, she gives me religion. It'll take you there. It'll come right up. Yep. Awesome. Is there anything else? Are there any other portals or information that you want to? I think that's it in terms of my tiny little empire. You can always find Liz around the Team Jack. Yes, you can. I'm always around. Empire. I'm. I'm there. I'm not. A, I sometimes I'm just lurking. But tap me on the shoulder, I'll come out. Right. Right. <laughs> <clears throat> Matt Cohen, you have anything to add? No, I will be writing a fan fiction about who's the boss entitled Everyone's the Boss, and it's a, gr- it's a group situation. What's up? <laughs> Polyamorous. There you Lots go. Lots of lemons. Danny Sweet. Pintaro. <laughs> <laughs> Star not, not of the, Stephen King's Cujo. I'm making <laughs> all the connections all back quickly. Together, dude. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, and also, well, I, when we I, said earlier that a certain, kind of, a certain kind of fanfic is Mary Sue, if you write yourself into it, my first thought was like, 
Oh, Cohen's going to come right to the boat of like Curly Sue, that awful John Hughes movie. Oh no, no, no! I wouldn't. That's a child, sir. That's not right. Yeah. Well. Full stop. What were we saying? Something. No, anything? No. Nothing. No, we're good. That's it. It's Camel episode toad. thirty-four. Yeah, yeah. Liz, thank you so much. Yes. I was going to see if I can say out with you. No, you can say out. Do you want to say it with me, or you just want to say it by yourself? I wouldn't mind doing it with you. Can, can right. we? Can we time Matt, that? Are we ready? Three, two, one. Out. out. This has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio. Love movies? What a goddamn goinky-dink. So does Kevin Smith. Want to be on his weekly geekly talk show, Spoilers on Hulu? Kev is looking for people to watch this summer's big screen blockbusters, then sashay down to the Smodco studios at Universal City Walk in Hollywood and talk about them. Sign up for the studio audience waiting list at smodcast.com slash spoilers. Do it! Do it now! <laughs> Smodco needs to put asses in seats for Dark Knight, Spidey, Total Recall, and more. Smodcast.com slash spoilers.